This is Chicago's College Tailgate. Tailgate. Shane Norman and Tyler Ackie. Shane and Tyler on ESPN Chicago. Welcome in to Chicago's College Tailgate, the recap podcast. We're breaking down everything that we saw from Championship Weekend. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norling. It's all brought to you by Twin Peaks. And Shane, we had ourselves quite the Championship Weekend, and boy, we had some drama on Sunday morning as well. <laughs> A little bit of controversy when we saw the final playoff rankings, the final ones that we're ever going to get in the four-team format. Here's how it shakes out: You got Michigan at one, Washington at two. Texas at three, and the big one, Alabama at four, which leaves an undefeated 13-0 conference champion Florida State on the outside looking in. There's two ways to feel about it. One, inarguably, this is the single best playoff that they have assembled from a TV viewership perspective. Two incredible games. Washington, Texas is awesome. Michigan, Bama in the Rose Bowl, that's theater. Like, they've set up... Two unbelievable games, and no matter who wins them, you're going to get a pretty good national championship, whether it's Bama-Washington, Bama-Texas, Michigan-Washington, Michigan-Texas. No matter what we get, it's going to be a very entertaining national championship matchup after what looks like two incredibly entertaining. I mean, this is the smallest I've seen point spreads in semifinals. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about that. I was like, I can't remember. Like, usually you get both games that are around double digits. Usually it's like a 7.5 and, and a 10.5. And or Maybe even a 14. Like last year it was a 14. Four. Sometimes it's in that range. And this you year... you combined six right now yeah, we're sitting at? we've got a four in Texas, Washington, and a two in Bama, Michigan. And it's like... That's pretty good. That's two hotly contested matchups. Vegas can't figure out, really, kind of in the coin flip territory. So I think when you look at it from the perspective of, do you want to get the four teams that are going to provide the most compelling football, they nailed it. When you think about it from the perspective of, did they do right by the sport? I think, no, they didn't. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like, you have never had in the history of your sport, the BCS or the college football playoff, you have never had an undefeated conference champion get passed up by a one-loss team for a chance to compete for a national title. And they got passed up by not one, but two Yeah, in this instance. And that's the part that I cannot fathom. Like, okay, you... And this was the other thing, too, is like, that Texas-Bama game holds so much weight. Because I think if that game is not played, but both of those teams are still 12-1... and one, I think you're seeing Florida State get in over Texas. Or you're seeing, well, yeah, certainly you'd see Florida State over Texas. All the conversation's been about Alabama. This Florida State team deserves to be in over Texas. I think the Florida State team deserves to be in over Alabama, to be honest. I do too. I I think it's, I'm going to get to something else that's bothered me with the way people have gone about this. And it's not that it's really, it's just, it's gotten on my nerves a little bit. I heard somebody else talk about it and I want to get into it, Um, but I just think of from the perspective, you schedule these games, and we want to give teams credit for scheduling them. Mm-hmm. Here's the problem. Florida State scheduled LSU. Florida yes. State played LSU. Florida State beat LSU. Demolished LSU. Alabama's getting more credit for scheduling and losing to Texas than Florida State is for scheduling and beating LSU. Yeah. And I get that, like, Jordan Travis got hurt, and they built in a criteria that key injuries can allow us to say But can I say something on that? The key injuries 
are supposed to be used to put teams in, not take teams out. Correct. That's the issue. Like Dan Orlovsky with that ridiculous comment that the Florida State is not an undefeated Power 5 champion. Uh, They aren't that team. They're a new team now. Well, that new team is still 2-0. And won the conference championship. Is an undefeated Power 5 conference champion. Like, whether you think highly of Louisville or not, or you think highly of Florida State's offense or not, or you think Florida State would have been a three-touchdown dog to Michigan and Pasadena, yeah, they probably would have been. But guess what? I would have been all over that Florida State team because their defense is that good. It's really good. It is that good where I think it could win them a game in the playoffs. They got a top-ten talent in Jared Verse on the end. Like, they rush. Their defensive backs fly. I just... Like, how is that team... You know what's funny? Like, I think about this, too, a little bit. Florida State, to a degree, without Jordan Travis, is kind of like the 49ers. The quarterback may not be all there, even though Brock Purdy's played pretty well this year. Let's look at, like, last year's 49ers. Right. The quarterback's not all that. But everything else around it is it's elite. really good. It may be the best out of any, like, if we went by skill position groupings on offense and defense— Florida State probably has the edge almost everywhere except for quarterback. It's also like, what are you saying about the spirit of competition in your sport? When a team can play and win all their games and still get left out, and basically the reasoning, like we can say Jordan Travis got hurt and they didn't look good in the Louisville game. We know the reason is you don't play in the SEC. Like we know that that's the actual reason. Guess what? Alabama didn't look good in the Auburn game two weeks ago. And we're letting them in for that. Right. And you pimp the SEC as this unbeatable force, some like and you mythical power. Well, yeah, Florida State played the SEC twice. They beat LSU, they beat Florida. And they beat Florida when they didn't have Jordan Travis. Mm-hmm. And then you think All about. All of those games were two possession wins. How about the marquee games in the non conference for the SEC? Bama lost by double digits to Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida went on the road, lost by double digits to Utah. You had. Um, there were a couple others. LSU, LSU lost by double digits f- mm-hmm. to Florida State. Yeah. Like, all of the marquee non-conference games for the SEC were losses. They were 7-9 and nine against the other conferences. The ACC had the best non-conference record. So you go, okay, are we really taking into account the strength of the SEC, or is it just fake, mythical, we think Bama and Georgia are the best? And so on hypothetical and belief, Bama gets the nod over Florida State, despite the fact what actually happened on the field was Florida State won all of their games. And it's like, it sucks for Florida State, too, in the sense that they can't control how the rest of their opponents play. It wasn't like they weren't scheduled against some traditional powers. Like, it's not their fault that Clemson threw up on themselves this year. Yeah. Right? It's not their fault that they pretty much gave LSU a tightrope to walk on the rest of the year after that opening week loss. Yeah. All of that stuff summed up together, and it's like you've laid the path out to make life difficult on so many other teams. You still beat some ranked teams along the way. You beat Duke. Yep. You beat Louisville. I mean, I don't think that Louisville win is getting enough credit. Jeff Brom's offenses haven't been held under 200 yards in five years. Yep. You did that. And I think we're taken away. I mean, Jaden Daniels is the runaway favorite for Heisman right now. You held him to his lowest point total of the season. Yep. I don't understand how this team cannot be getting in. And it's because I think we're in an era 
where our minds are too warped by offensive football. We're too warped by offensive football. This is a team that is a defensive powerhouse right now without their quarterback. If they had their quarterback, they're a balanced team. But without the quarterback, they're a defensive powerhouse. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be the guy that's clutching my pearls about it because, again, I understand why they did it. And like I told you, you were in my house when it happened. Mm -hmm. When Jordan let – Jordan, what did I almost just say? When Jordan Travis snaps his leg like a twig, Mm -hmm. you're not getting in. Like I knew it when it happened. That's it. Right or wrong, they're done. Georgia wins the SEC title, Georgia's in, Florida State's out. It would have played out in a way we see now. Texas would have gotten ranked ahead Mm -hmm. of Florida State. It is what it is. Alabama wins, apparently. Florida State's out. Doesn't matter what they did. Like, when Jordan Travis broke his leg, their season was over, effectively, no matter what they did the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. We can argue about whether it's right or wrong. But they should have been. They never should have been ranked inside the playoffs. Agreed. Like the and biggest that is the mistake, biggest con of the whole thing. The biggest mistake was ranking them fourth ahead of the conference titles. Because then you're saying if you just win, you're in, and then you, they lose and get jumped, and you go, "How does Not that once, work?" Once but twice. Right. They should have been ranked behind. Really, if this is the way we're going to play it out, Ohio State shouldn't have been five because it's insane that they fall two spots despite not playing a game. Mm-hmm. Why were they ever five? Yeah, You should have had Ohio State ranked behind Bama and Texas the way I always felt it should have been. You should have had Bama and Texas ranked ahead of Florida State so that Florida State would just know. Well, and also you should have had Oregon ranked ahead of Florida State yep. too. Because like of, all of them. And, and I'll say this. If Oregon had won the Pac-12 championship, I would have been okay with seeing them jump uh, Florida, Florida State. State. I think there there is a case that one loss Washington and one loss Oregon both could be in over Florida State because of the fact that their losses came against each other and they avenged them. Would have been them. likely two close games. They, they you ca- avenge the only losses, and you, right. you wipe them off the slate. I think you kind of clean them off the slate. Maybe you give a little more credence to Oregon because of the situation it was in. It was the Pac-12 championship. But I think I would have been okay with a Washington or and Oregon, if they were both one-loss teams getting in over Florida State. But because of the way it played out, I don't think you could have done it. Here's my other issue with the way everybody's gone about this. And it was, I thought about it Sunday morning. I thought it was just dumb hearing Kirk Herbstreet on the selection show broadcast going, it has to be Alabama, it has to be Alabama, it has to be Alabama. Like Why? over and over that, that, and over. If, but you're, then, if your rationale is it's the SEC... You lose all credibility. Well, here's you haven't the, watched the sport this year. Here's the bigger issue. As his rationale wasn't that. It was Jordan Travis, the offense, they're not the same team, etc. Then after the selection gets made, I got to watch you sit up there and play this empathy garbage about, I just feel so bad for Florida State that this happened to them. They lost their quarterback and the committee didn't put him in despite winning. Like, dude, you were just on here talking about how the right thing to do is put Alabama in. And this is not an original thought by me, but it is something that bothered me, is all of these national media people talking about the right thing to do was to put Alabama in and leave Florida State out because Florida State committed the ultimate sin of their quarterback's leg getting snapped in two. Nobody is talking about the fact that the number one ranked team has one of the largest cheating scandals in history. Mm -hmm. So let's not pretend the integrity move was Alabama over Florida State when you have no integrity in the way you've ranked number one. Integrity was never a member of the conversation. 
I think the way that Michigan went out and won the final, what was it, three, I'm not four disagreeing. Games. Yeah. And I'm not saying the right thing to do was to keep Michigan out. I'm just saying nobody should be talking about what the right thing to do is. This is college football. It's always been scumbags. It's mm-hmm. always been corrupt. It's always been about the money. We know that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's not sports. It is a pageant. And whatever, you're going to get the two best games. I'm happy with the four that we have. I told you before, ideally in my world, Florida State wouldn't have been in. But I didn't think the committee had the balls to actually keep them out. Turns out they do. There is no shame. <laughs> How about the rumors that the TV networks corroborated with well, okay. the committee? Here's why I am. This is my one shred of I'm okay with leaving Florida State out. If the cost, or rather I should say the payoff of Florida State getting fucked is that I get to see all of these seminal blog boy podcasts say that we need to subpoena the committee, we need to subpoena the TV networks, I'm good. I'm good with it. The entertainment has paid for itself. It'll be incredible if we find out that, like, Kirk Herbstreet was delivering a frozen envelope (laughs) to the committee room, and it's, like, got... $8 $8 million from Bob Iger, and it just lands on the committee table with an Alabama logo. Like, that would be fantastic. Yeah. that That is the one silver lining out of all of this is that I get to see all of these podcasts and whatever. You see their little clips. Should they file litigation against the NCAA? It's hilarious. Well, it wouldn't be the first time either because teams, schools sued the BCS for antitrust. Yeah. Could you sue the college football playoff committee for antitrust with this? It's it is truly insane to me that a thirteen and zero Power Five champion got left out. We've got so much shit happening in this country right now that they're going to take a lawsuit over the college football playoff. Do you remember in '08 when Obama got elected? They asked him what his opinion on the BCS was. And Barack Obama, sitting president of the United States, I think this was 2009 or 2010, said the BCS is wrong. We need to have... I do uh, remember, yes, now that you say this, We I need do to have this. a college football playoff. Obama says this, and then he's asked if it's a big enough issue that he would act. And Obama said... We have bigger issues in our country to deal with, but I am considering an executive order to <laughs> correct the college football national title selection. Should Obama be the sports czar? Like, he's the most sports-involved president of my lifetime that I can— And, like, he had thoughts on, like, college—like, he, he did the bracket every year. And he, he knew what that. he was talking about. He knew what he was talking about. He Whenever there was the, uh, the jersey presentation at the White House, he'd— deliver little barbs and like you could say oh he's got writers for all that but like when the Warriors come he's got the background of like oh Steve Kerr this is the uh, the champion on the greatest team of all time Steve Kerr is the only one here on the greatest team of all time the 96 Bulls well we know like, he's a hooper right like, like so he's got the knowledge base. like I feel like he could be a good sports star we, he should be the commissioner. Well, actually, I have to tell you something. Because the other thing that's coming down is this new uh, Charlie Baker deal. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I actually find it kind of compelling. Because I was sitting at home yesterday, and I'm thinking about all this stuff that's happening in college football. Which is, we have a 13-0 Power 5 conference champion that has been left out of the playoff. An unprecedented move. We have, within three days of the portal opening, 900 kids including the starting quarterbacks at Ohio State and Oklahoma Mm -hmm. in the transfer portal. We have 
uh, all of this stuff with the 12-team playoff and how the expansion's going to work. A 100-year conference collapsed over TV deals. And you just start to look at the landscape of everything and go, people were kind of right when they said the transfer waiver and the NIL combo would create a little bit of a mess. It has. I don't know if it's wrong. I think it's the best thing for the kids that are opting out of their schools to go look for money and look for better opportunities. Well, can I say this, too, in the case of Kyle McCord? He got kicked out. That's what I was going to say. Like, everyone is is bagging on the kids. the saying, like, oh, they're leaving, they're seeking money, all that stuff. Maybe it's the coaches. Like, the coaches are the ones always banging the drum, like, oh, all this NIL stuff is wrong, transfer portal, makes my life hell, all that. Maybe you're the problem. If you're the coaches, are you the one that's actually using this to your advantage here and trying to go find the the next prettiest girl here to replace a quarterback? Maybe you're the problem, coaches. Maybe it's not the players. And in the case of McCord, he definitely got he got kicked out. He was asked to leave. Like you can keep playing football if you want, but you can't play here. Yeah, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. (laughs) Exactly. Like the Dylan Gabriel one is a little different because Dylan Gabriel feels more like the Sam Hartman deal where. Well, Riley s- Leonard feels like the Sam Hartman deal. Yeah, but at least in Riley Leonard's case, the coach left. So I get yeah. it. Like, Sam right. Hartman was with Dave Clawson at Wake Forest and basically said, I'm done at Wake F- Did his four years, graduated. I'm done at Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hop in the portal, and if no one will take me, then I'll go to the draft. That feels more like what Dylan Gabriel's doing is like, Let's see if Notre Dame wants to throw me $10 million. I'm done with Oklahoma. If nobody will take me, I'll go in the draft and but see what happens. But that's the weird thing is I don't understand why he would leave Oklahoma. Like, that's o- the odd one. That's, that, that is the weird one. And I was gearing myself up to be real angry if Arch Manning transferred because there's just no reason for it. But, again, I'm not going to get mad at the kids. Coaches have had this opportunity to leave whenever they want forever. And now kids also Especially have the opportunity. walking into living rooms and saying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be here. For, like, yeah. <laughs> Think about Brian Kelly. Syracuse had their coach uh, do his introductory press conference yesterday, say he's going to be here 10 years at least, and then retire. Well, yeah, or how about like back in the day, if you signed a, a, a letter of intent? You were locked in. You were, And if you backed out of it, you had to sit out a year. Mm-hmm. Even if between the time of you signing a letter of intent and actually getting on campus, the coach was fired or left. If you backed out, you were sitting out a year. Like, that was always garbage. The kids have always been treated horribly. And the fact that now they have the opportunity to make some money off of their themselves and do what's best for them in terms of situation, I think it's overall good. I do think it makes it difficult. Like, if you're a Washington State fan, Mm -hmm. you have Cam Ward transfer in, and he turns out to be this kind of incredible quarterback. And immediately, and again, not really his fault or Washington State's fault that a 100-year conference fell apart because of TV money. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Washington State fan, you go, well, what the fuck am I supposed to root for? Well, okay, I, I want to ask you about Cam Ward and also DJU. DJ Uyunglele from Oregon State, who's also in the transfer portal. And another one who and I no- think is, is, is someone going to throw me money or am I going to go to the draft? But with those two guys, let's say that they do stay in college. Where do you stand on the two-time transfers? Because those guys still have to sit out a year. And I think like when you're transferring twice, especially twice in two years, yeah, you, you should have to probably sit a year. I think it depends on the context of it. Um, DJU in particular, 
went to Oregon State with the understanding Jonathan Smith was the head coach and they were in the Pac-12. Both of those things are no longer true. Yeah. So if you want to go somewhere else, I'm okay with it. Cam Ward, kind of the same deal. You go to Washington State, and then the conference falls apart. What about Quinn Ewers? If Quinn Ewers were to transfer? So Quinn Ewers from Ohio State, but that was two years ago, Mm -hmm. to Texas. Mm -hmm. If he transfers again. Still a two-time transfer, though. Mm -hmm. If he transfers again, that becomes an issue. Like, I've heard some of the solution for it is if you accept NIL money, you're locked in. You don't get the one-year, you don't get the transfer waiver. And I wonder if that's something that should happen. But then there's the flip of NIL money is real dark. We don't really get access to what exactly there is, what each kid is making, if they're making anything. They don't have to file the numbers to the NCAA. Then we get stories like Texas A&M where we now have kids coming out and going, I never saw a dime. Or stories from Michigan State where the NIL collective vanished because... Uh, spoiler what is this, alert! Security? Spoiler alert! Yes, <laughs> they were doing fraud with the NIL money, and the kids didn't see any of it. So it's like if you get fucked by your NIL collective, are we going to go? Well, you signed a deal, so you're locked in. Like there has to be different ways out. That's where I think what's happening now today. This is the Charlie Baker vision. Mm-hmm. Actually, becomes intriguing. An additional subdivision in the Division One football. So you already have FBS and FCS. Charlie Baker wants a third subdivision for the highest level of school with the highest level of resources and a collective NIL fund so that basically every kid in that subdivision gets something like a flat rate 30 grand. So it's just going to be a super league. Effectively. But I think what you end up seeing... I can only hope is what should have happened a very, very long time ago. If you were never going to adopt the Division II style of a 32-team playoff or the FCS style of that same type of deal, a big playoff, if you were never going to go that route, and they weren't because the TV contracts and the Bulls prevent them from doing it because this sport's fucking stupid, if you weren't ever going to go that route, then you eventually needed to just turn Division One FBS into European soccer. And I think that that's what this is the start of. You get the schools with the most resources Ooh, in Tier 1. Relegations? Yeah. You oh, get the schools with the most right, resources in. in Tier 1. You get a Tier 2 with the schools that have, like, medium-level resources. So Tier one's going to be Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Texas A&M. Notre Dame. Notre Dame. USC. Clemson, Alabama, yeah. USC, Georgia. Your traditional powers or maybe less traditional powers, but schools with a shitload of money. Mm-hmm. Hello, Oregon, Michigan State. Yeah. Throw those ones in. Tier two is your more middle tier. Like, Probably just the rest, rest of Power Five. Right. You're, yeah. The rest of your Power Five. And then you and can then have like a Tier some three. Good, some good group of fives. The, I don't know, what's a good traditionally good group of five. Boise State, BYU. BYU's Big 12 now. Or Big 12, yeah. yeah, You get the Boise State, Mm -hmm. some of the good Mountain West teams. Maybe you grab your service academies, throw them in Tier 3. And you have the European soccer promotion relegation system. That would be awesome. I think that's the way to do it. And honestly, fuck 12 teams, go to 16. Because if you're going to set this up in a way where everybody's going to have to play everybody, you're going to have to do 10 or so conference games, all regionally based, in your division, X number of games in your tier, then we start talking about, okay, 16 teams, everybody's kind of on a level playing field, let's do this. That's where I feel like the sport is headed. And that's where I feel like that's probably the best thing for it. Because at some point, you're going to have to just straight up pay kids. Yeah. 
It's you're not putting the toothpaste back in the tube, right? Man. No, you can't. It's it's a complex thing because okay, let's say let's say a pit gets promoted into the tier one after a great season, right? Like they have the Kenny Pickett season, boom, you're into tier one, right? And then bam, you're playing USC, Georgia. Well, not that, but okay, Pat Narduzzi then leaves to go take a bigger job. What happens to Pitt, right? Like you're kind of leaving the cupboard bare and you're just going to get your ass kicked for a year just to be demoted again. Like I guess it's, Could you- it is what it is and maybe like you'll see a couple teams that do end up getting into the tier one and then really building a program. But right. in some places, like my school, like Syracuse is never going to build anything football-wise. They're not. They're, they just can't. It's, it's impossible to recruit in the Northeast because the crop of kids isn't as good as you're going to find in the Southeast or even in, like, the, the Ohio area or Michigan area. Like, you're just not going to get those kids. And that makes it hard to build a sustainable program. And if you do have a pop-up year or two, well, the coach is just going to leave, and then you're back to square one. But that's where we're at anyway. Like, that's where we're at already. Think yeah. about Oregon State. Oregon State, before Jonathan Smith took over, was a perennial 1-11. They were the bottom feeder of the Pac-12. Jonathan Smith goes in, starts building something. Now you're perennially top 25 and a Pac-12 contender. Oh, that was a fun three years. Guess what? Your conference just collapsed because your commissioner a fucking clown, and now he's the head coach at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Enjoy, you're in the Mountain West. Yeah, like it just—that's what the sport right. is. No, th- that's just the way it kind of kind of goes now, no matter what. So you're kind of stuck. I mean, with think it, so about just, yeah, think about like if you Wake Forest fans had Sam Hartman in this magic carpet ride, and then he's just like, "Fuck you, Notre Dame's going to give me six million dollars." Bye. Yeah, and it's. That's just what it's going to be, and it makes it tough. Like, for me, Michigan State, at the very end of the transfer window, Peyton Thorne and Keon Coleman, two of the best players on the team, both opted out. Maybe they knew what was coming. I don't know. They clearly made the best decisions for themselves. Maybe Peyton Thorne less than Keon Coleman, Auburn Blue. But my point is, it makes it difficult as a college football fan, even of a school that has had some level of success in recent history to look at this and go, like, the 2013 team that went out undefeated in the Big Ten and won the Rose Bowl, those dudes cared about being Spartans. And I feel like now that no longer exists. They've created pro sports where these guys don't give a fuck. If they're any good and the team blows, they're gone. If the coach decides to leave, they're gone, which they should be allowed to do. Like, I'm not saying it's wrong. The people it just, who it makes just, it harder for me to care. Yeah, the, the people who are pissed about the whole thing because at the end of it, like, the end product is going to be we're going to be able to play immaculate grid with college players is, like, it's dumb. Like, these kids have been fucked time and yeah. time again. And now that they have a little bit of power in their hands, people want to take it shaking away. shaking in your boots. Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, I think a lot of people get mad at this sport for the wrong reason. And I think a lot of people look at it and go, the way you select the national champion sucks, and the postseason sucks. And it's like, it always has. It yeah. always has, because the stupid, archaic, uh, what are they, the, the bowl sponsors or the bowl coalitions, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck they're called, like the Tournament of Roses people, they're horrible. Remember... 
you, neither of us remember. It was 1990 fucking two or something when they started doing the forced bowl coalition so we can decide a national champion. The Big mm-hmm. Ten and the Pac-10 weren't included because the Tournament of Roses wouldn't give up the TV contract with ABC mm-hmm. to have the Big Ten and Pac-10 champions in the Rose right. Bowl. Mm-hmm. So you're deciding a national champion from the SEC, the Big Eight, the Big East, and whatever the fuck else, the SWAC and something else. And it's like... You're leaving out the two most historic conferences in the sport Mm -hmm. because of a fucking TV deal. And that was 25 years ago. And it's still happening. So you just, it is what it is. And I think when people look at the sport and go, well, it just all sucks because at the end, you don't decide a champion correctly. I agree with you. But now you're getting your 12-team playoff. There will be a price to pay for it. This isn't going to look anything like college football used to look. I'll embrace it. You'll embrace it. Mm-hmm. People will watch. It will probably do better numbers than it did before. Yeah. But you're going to dilute the regular season the way college basketball did when they made the tournament 64 teams and then 68 teams. The regular season doesn't fucking matter. It's it, no. Nobody watches college basketball like we will, mm-hmm. but normal people aren't watching college basketball until like you the watch, second yeah. or third week of February. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that when it comes to college football, it's going to be similar. Now, at least college football. Here's the thing. It's football. So the volume is still small. Right. And that's why we'll scarcity to it. That's why we'll still consume it. Because the product isn't out there every single day. We'll still consume it. It's not like it is. Like the NBA, you can go weeks without watching and not miss a beat. Correct. But I still think. You're still gonna. People are still gonna be locked into college football, just because there's not a lot of product out there. Well, and my broader point was, if you're marrying yourself to what happens at the end, you're missing out on a lot. Yeah. Because the regular season is still highly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Here's my issue: it won't be what it once was because it used to be. Like, Purdue could be having this dream season. For Purdue, a dream season would have been eight and four, and you've got an outside shot. At like if you're six and two in the Big Ten, you got an outside shot at going to the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Or some school like Missouri this year, who plays great, really we know you're not a playoff team. You're not you're gonna win the 10. SEC. Yeah. But you might get a trip to the Orange Bowl. That'd be cool. Anymore, going to those bowls doesn't fucking matter. And it especially won't once there's twelve teams. Everybody's basically gonna go, we gotta be in the twelve, or we might as well not try. But here's the thing too. Like everyone's like, oh, the the playoff crushed the bowl system, or did the playoff just expose the bowl system as a crock of shit? No, I think it did crush it. I think it exposed it as being the most meaningless quote unquote postseason game that all these teams get because you have the the lowest level of threshold to get one. You could be a sub five hundred team, and if you've got enough brainiacs on your roster. You're going into a bowl game with your APR. I think the thing that really destroyed it was the addition of so many. Like, why does the, what is it, the Quick Lane Bowl or the Motor City Bowl, whatever they call it in Detroit, who needs the, like, last qualified Big Ten team against somebody from the MAC? Like, the MAC runner-up, mm-hmm. I think it is. Who the fuck needs that? No one. No you know one. what I mean? So and you, you watch these games, there's nobody there. I think the playoff did destroy the premium bowls, the good ones, the Rose Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Orange Bowl. Those are but those shit are now. still in the. But with a twelve-team playoff, those now become the games. But that's my point. Is 
I still kind of feel like when you went to the four-team playoff, you should have separated those games from the Bulls. I get why they couldn't. Again, TV contracts dominate everything. The Rose Bowl didn't want to be left out because it was the BCS that initially adopted that system where we're going to play the Rose Bowl, and then a week later, every four years, we'll play the national title at the Rose Bowl. Mm -hmm. Other years, it'll be at the Fiesta Bowl. Other years, it'll be at the Cotton Bowl, whatever. Now, I think you've had a system where... Well, if the Rose Bowl's not a semifinal, it doesn't mean anything because we're just being fed fucking scraps. And if it is a semifinal, the only way we're getting in is to be in the four. So that's why we started seeing kids go, I'm not going to play. Who gives a shit? This isn't the Rose Bowl. It's fake. And that, I think, did destroy it. And now you open up to 12, and those games are all a part of the 12-team playoff. Can we just separate them? But then you have the issue of, oh, we separate them. Guess what? Iowa is going to play USC in the Rose Bowl. And nobody wants to see that either. Right. That's why I think it's good that they're incorporated as a part of the 4-team and then eventually the 12-team. But this is... It's still brings a little cachet and meaning to them. This is, again, my ultimate point. Just dive in the fucking pool and yeah. make it 16 teams and do the mega conferences and go to the European soccer method, which it sounds like Charlie Baker wants to do. So it just enough. Stop just taking 50 fucking years to do the right thing. And if this is the way you've decided the sport needs to go, it's not like the pool's closed. Yeah. You are funneling the water into it. Yeah. Jump in. Mm-hmm. Enough. Yep. I'm with you. And the TV networks, they'll be thrilled. Oh, my God. They'll be making money over, like hand over fist for, for this. You think so. ESPN's going to bitch if you go European soccer mode no. and give them a 16-team playoff? Nope. They'll be falling over themselves yep. to re-up Absolutely. their contracts. Mm-hmm. All right. Anything else you want to get to before we get out of here? Um. No, I, something sticking in your mind. What 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 you got up there? Huh? Not a lot. There was something coaching wise, like I mean, coaches on the move or so. Ryan Day is flirting with the NFL. Is he Pat Fitzgeralding right now? It, Jim Har- is he Jim Harbaughing right now? He's Jim Harbaugh four years ago when Jim Harbaugh <laughs> wasn't good, yeah. and he was still trying to kiss ass to the NFL. Yep, that's he's what this Jim Harbaugh like. four years ago. Yep. That's what it is. How is he going to keep that gig? I I would have fired him after the Michigan game. What quarterback do they get? Malik Murphy was the early one. I think Cam Ward to Ohio State's written in the stars. I think that's I think that's done. a good pairing. Um you get a mobile kid with a crazy deep ball. Like that yeah. just feels like a Ryan Day kind of guy. I mean, if Ewers were to transfer if if Texas wants would to he go back arch, to Ohio State? I think Ewers yeah. is getting drafted. Yeah, I think he could with the the extra game or two. Definitely find himself getting drafted. Um, What's the because that in- was the big story uh, about everything was that oh there uh, there's the guy out of Georgia Brock Vandergriff yes but mm-hmm. he was the kid got recruited when Stetson Bennett was the quarterback and then Carson Beck jumped him on the mm-hmm. depth chart but he's still a five star. Well, he's he, a five-star pedigree. I, but I think he's a four-star transfer. Four-star transfer, but five-star recruit, and I think that still counts for something. You know what? If Ohio State were really about it, they would have come and got Aiden Childs. But the big boys swim in that what about pool. What about Dante Moore? The the five-star UCLA? I don't think he's going to Ohio State because I think he's, like, he's from Detroit. Mm-hmm. I think he grew up a Michigan State fan. I think he's kind of rooted, and I think 
look, Michigan might throw the bag at him. J.J. McCarthy's leaving. Okay, but will they throw the bag if Harbaugh's not there and shit's coming down? That's the interesting thing. Like, I was surprised Michigan State went Aiden Childs over Dante Moore. Because initially, from Bruce Feldman, it was Dante Moore watch Michigan State. He was recruited there initially. It was always kind of the part destination, and he chose UCLA. And you go, okay, well, now he'll just go back to Michigan State. Jonathan Smith took his kid. Like, Aiden Childs, he recruited at Oregon State. Super highly touted recruit. Jonathan Smith's bringing him with him. He's Dion bringing the luggage. Michigan is weird because not only nobody transfers out of Michigan, nobody transfers in. So I don't know that they go fetch Dante Moore, but they don't really have a kid on the roster that they're ready to hand things over to. No. So it does get weird. Harbaugh leaves. How many kids enter the portal from Michigan? Could be a lot. It'll yeah. be that'll be interesting. Potentially off of winning a national championship. The coach leaves and half the team goes in the portal. Then do you get somebody new in, like a Sharon Moore, if he ends up being the head coach at Michigan? Is he a little more uh, willing to take transfers? Does he then get a booster to throw a bag at Dante Moore and say, come on? But is is Dante Moore going to go there if Michigan is not eligible for whatever? Nobody would. Right. That's where we'll see the huge exodus. And that's honestly, that's the thing with the portal is if Michigan gets hammered and they get a one- or two-year postseason ban and they have those wins vacated, you're going to see a lot of kids transfer out. And for at least two years, not many kids are going to want to transfer in because the academic standards are so insanely high. And then you also have to deal with the fact you're going to sell kids on transferring to a place where they do not get to play in the postseason, at least for a year, maybe two, then you have to come out of that and go look at what we have, which will probably be horseshit mm-hmm. because these teams, except for Ohio State with Urban Meyer, do not get talent yep. when they can't go to the playoff or the postseason. Look at USC. It took them a mm-hmm. decade to bounce back. They also lost scholarships, yeah. so a little harder. But the point is... But Michigan could totally lose scholarships, too. Right, and even if they don't, go look at their recruiting history. It's not like they recruit at the top of the uh, no. the ladder. They routinely, 14 through 20. So are you going to get classes that are at the bottom of the top 20 and turn them into teams that could win titles if they weren't postseason banned? No, you're not Ohio State. You're not getting a top three class every year and going 12-0, and 0, but you're just not eligible. It's not going to happen. So I think that's where if a postseason ban comes down, Michigan might be in trouble with the state of the sport. Yeah. Like, yeah, this is right now when we are hitting this like apex of how the sport is going and how it could completely flip upside down. This is not the time to have the NCAA in your kitchen right now. This is the last time you'd want that. I do wonder, though. With the way the sport is shaping up. And again, with what Charlie Baker did today. Oh, you think they'll they'll get amnesty? Dude, my question is, like, Charlie Baker made it clear today, we would like to do something that would involve more teams. We would like to do something that would kind of level the playing field at the top of the heap. We also do not want to break up. Like, they're terrified of the SEC Big Ten secession that's kind of feels inevitable that's the thing now with florida state is the whole conversation is oh is florida state gonna leave the acc now i know florida state every that's the name that's at the top of everyone's list 
I think Clemson would leave the ACC before any other team within the conference because they feel like they've been the most fucked out of all of this. Yeah. Um, and, and it's probably true. But Florida State now is probably going to lock arms with Clemson. Yeah. And the the weird thing, too, is like the CFP separated from the NCAA this yeah. year. So does the NCAA actually have the autonomy to say you're not allowed to go to the playoff? No. Could the CFP say, fuck you, pal. It's They're worth entity. a lot of money. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah. They they make us money. Fuck you. They're coming. Yeah. Like, could this is where things get weird. When USC got hammered, and when Ohio State got hammered, and when Penn State got hammered, those were brands. But the NCAA had full autonomy over its sport when those things happened. Right. This time, they don't. And the Big Ten and the SEC have already discovered, we're bigger than you. We can bully you. Matter of fact, fuck you. And the college football playoff seceded from the NCAA. So if the NCAA comes out and goes, Michigan, you're fucking dead. Could other people come out and go, hey, Harbaugh's gone. Stallions is gone. Everything they did is gone. You want to vacate the wins? Cool, but you're not knocking them out. Yeah, what? Are you, who do you think you are? And that could actually be the impetus for the breakup. Yeah, that it's it's a really interesting, like the the split between the playoff and the NCAA is one of the most fascinating things in sports because for thirteen or fourteen weeks of the year, you are governed under one body, and then when things really do matter. You're governed under another body that ultimately determines your fate and how much money is going to all of these conferences, too, as a result of the the playoff shares that go out to the conferences and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting, and it's it's one of the more fascinating things in all of sports. I didn't even think about the money side of things. The ACC has to be furious. Oh, yeah. And all of the ACC schools. What is it? It's $4 Yeah, I think you are right. Clemson's the school that ultimately gets the most fucked because they're missing out on a lot of money with this. Like all of the ACC schools. They've been carrying the water for this conference forever. Florida State doesn't get to compete. Florida State misses out on the money. Clemson misses out on the money. If I were the two of them, I'd be looking to get my way to the SEC too because they just fucking told you you don't have a shot in that conference. Now, granted, it goes to 12, but I imagine the shares get diluted a little bit when it does. Depends what the TV contracts look like. But, yes, I'd imagine that's probably right. So that is fascinating. The idea that the ACC could be really angry about this. Could the ACC go after the college football playoff? Are they going to sue? This is... Bring them to court. This is as theatrical of a swan song for the four-teamer as we could have possibly seen. Yeah, it really is. Like, we wanted the chaos, and then we got it. And we're, we're seeing everything unfold now. Yeah, this is going to be wild. All right. All right, that's going to do it for us here. We will be with you this Saturday, breaking down everything that we saw from the week, talk a little more about everything that's going on. We'll preview the play. We haven't gotten into any of the playoff games yet. We'll get into some of the playoff games for this Saturday. So 9 to 11 a.m. ESPN 1000. Thank you all for listening all season long. And thank you so much to our friends over at Twin Peaks for bringing you Chicago's College Tailgate every single week. We'll talk to you Saturday morning, 9 to 11 on ESPN 1000. Bye, bitch. Thank you.